So nice to see you. Thanks for coming. Oh yeah, it's my pleasure. I, uh, I think this is my first podcast. Is it the first? How about that? Yeah, yeah. right. Doesn't it doesn't feel that unusual, does it? <laughs> I think I it's met just you. A little cooler. Yeah, <laughs> I met you once. Where? Oh, you know what? Yeah, I remember what it was. You'll never remember, but I remember back in San Francisco. I don't know what you were plugging, but it was a radio show, Alex Bennett show in the morning, a live radio show. I, I, you know, I wouldn't expect you to remember, but you had a nice leather jacket on. I remember uh, complimenting the leather jacket. I don't know what it, when it would have been. It probably would have been in the early 90s. Um, uh, yeah, it could have been. It, it could have been like 96. Maybe. 97. I don't know. 97 when I was uh, promoting Yuli's Gold. Yeah, man. That was a, that was a big, uh, that was a big thing. Yeah. That was like, he's back. <laughs> you know what? I'd never left. I, I know. I know that. <laughs> they love to say he's back. Yeah. Well, I did. You know, I was living on my own sailboat. It was an 82 foot, 20 foot of beam. Yeah. For so many years sailing around the Pacific. Really? Oh, yeah. And of course, don't you know, everybody said, oh, he just stunned out of his head out there sailing around. No. And I, uh, you, you, you don't pull over and park at night. That's right. So you can't be still under your head. Right. You have to grab, now we have GPS systems. Yeah. So you have to grab the section. I'm a celestial navigator. Oh, yeah. You know, go ahead and make the shot on the, on the, the moving deck of the boat. So. Yeah. <laughs> you can't be stoned. You can't be stoned, yeah. Well, I mean, but I mean, it would seem that being out on the ocean is enough. I mean, why would you need to be high on top of that? Oh, yeah. That's the trip. You yeah. bet. When did you start doing that? Well, I began sailing, uh, a little boat when I was 11. Oh, so it's, uh, it was in the family. It was something you always did? Yeah. My dad uh, was in the Navy. Yeah. And so I, I had this little, it was called a cat boat. Uh-huh. It had uh, a Marconi rig, which is, you know, it doesn't have the gaff. Yeah. And it was like 14 feet long, 13 and a half feet long. Yeah. And this was off the north shore of uh, Long Island, a place called Lloyd Neck. And I'd sail out there, and re- you really learned how to get as close as you could on the wind with a very difficult boat. Right. Uh, with no jib. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That main miss is just way up forward. So you get a sense of it. Yeah, you learn a lot about yeah. uh, making way and and not being able to get very close on the wind. Yeah. So that that's how I started there. And then... Uh, and you loved it. I loved it. Uh, I got a sailfish. Yeah. And uh, then we went over to the Mediterranean, and my father had it shipped over. Only problem was the French people wanted me to put a French flag on it uh-huh. because it was an American hull. Uh-huh. <laughs> this is a bloody sailfish, you know. It's like a surfboard with a sail. What do you mean? I need a flag on this. Holy moly. Was that a problem? Was it an international incident? No, I mean, I just didn't, I ignored them. Did you, what, you lived over there for a while with your family? Yeah, my father, my second stepmother, and my How many were there? Jane. Five. Five stepmothers? No, no. no. Four. <laughs> uh, three stepmothers for me. Yeah. But he was married five times. Oh, yeah. And you oh, you and Jane and the, and the second stepmother were in, in the Mediterranean in France? The second stepmother, yeah. Yeah. It was in France, though? It was in France. It was Cap Ferrat, uh-huh. which, uh, I mean, Picasso had a villa out the end. Oh, yeah? And <laughs> there was a, a Swedish a summer school there Yeah, with all these Swedish kids, yeah. including... Uh, Carl Gustav, who is now king of Sweden. Oh, he was there, huh? Oh, he yeah, was the absolutely. kid. And you were going to school there? I was, no, he was. <laughs> I, I was just trying to figure out how to stay my, keep my head above water in this <laughs> mad family. Yeah. Uh, but we would invite all the kids down to uh, the villa where we were staying because yeah. my dad would be gone with my second stepmothers, and that was very good. Yeah. It was so, good when he was gone. We had these kids from yeah. the Swedish summer school. They were there. And, uh, 
couple of good-looking gals and Carl Gustav. Yeah. He must have <laughs> been king. 15. Yeah. I was 17. Yeah. And at one point, there's this image coming, coming through the hedge is Greta Garbo. Really? Now, Gustav is not... No. Yeah. Carl Gustav has no idea. Yeah. But this is Greta. Yeah. Um, she's got a bathing cap on. Yeah. And a big terry cloth robe. Yeah. And she walked straight over, said, I'm going to go swimming now. I said, yes, it's perfectly <laughs> fine. And she just took off the terry cloth totally naked. No. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> by that time, when she talked to me. Yeah. Carl Gustav realized it was Greta Garbo. Yeah, you know, yeah. Wow. Jaw dropped, and she got in, did 50 laps, got out, put her back, and went back. She was coming from John Gilbert's uh, a villa. Oh, no kidding. <laughs> oh, there was some amazing stuff happened. And th- that gives me something that I could talk about in a good way. Yeah. There was a lot of real bad shit that was going down. In terms of your family? Oh, yeah. Yeah. But uh, What was it? The old man was just an abusive dude? Uh, no, not really. Oh. Uh, his... Um, I think he was extraordinarily shy, uh-huh. and he had a difficult time expressing love. Oh yeah, in the sense that, uh, you know, he didn't. He he became uncomfortable when he felt that he had to put on some demand. He had to respond yeah. to some demand, and that wasn't really what was happening. Yeah, but I, I, regardless of how tough things were in different times, I'll tell you what. I grew up the first. Eight years of my life, yeah, I knew nothing about race or color. Yeah, I had no idea. Sure, first um, African American I saw was Nat King Cole. I saw he's the first black man I seen at your house. At my house, yeah, we had twelve acres out on uh, uh, on Tiger Tail, just out in in Brentwood, but up in the hills. Yeah, and they they had some parties that would come up. Sure, yeah, and one of them. Was this guy? I'd never seen him before. I'd never seen a black man before. Yeah. I thought remarkable looking guy, and then he smiled. He was and he was just around with everybody else. Sure, he was a guest. Yeah, but he sat down at the piano. Yeah, and began to play. I bet. Yeah, and it was beautiful. Amazing. I had to take piano lessons. Sure, I'm looking at, I'm so left handed, and I'm looking at 88 keys of right handedness. Yeah, but this guy's <laughs> he's doing. He's smiling up at me. You know, yeah, his yeah. smile is just. Yeah. Explosion of right. teeth and white. And, yeah. and um, I was staring at him, and he said, do you play? I said, well, they make me take lessons. Yeah. And he got very serious. He said, you know, never look at, at playing an instrument like somebody's making you play it. Yeah. you got to think you want to play it. I said, well, sir, uh, I'm very left-handed, and there's 88 keys <laughs> of right-handedness. He looked at me. He said, watch this. He crosses his hand over and plays Cow Cow Boogie. Yeah. And then he taught me how to play Cow Cow. Because Boogie Woogie, uh, up here is going ching, 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 ching. Down right. there is, is the run is down in here. The port stuff's left-hand. on the left hand. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> so, right. The, the whole thing is I, on the I left hand. I felt like such a fool had I only known <laughs> it was Boogie Woogie and not, you know, Mary's Dotes and Old Dotes and Lillian's. Yeah, yeah, right. So I, that must, that's a great, uh, a great lesson to learn. Oh, uh, well, I did tell him uh, a little bit later that the first piano recital I had to do, uh, the song I was playing was Ladybug, Ladybug. Yeah. And so as I was playing it, I wasn't singing. Yeah. But I was singing Ladybug, 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 Fly Away Home. Yeah. Your house is on fire. Your children were burned. Whoa. <laughs> That's terrible. And in, in a sheer 
terror, I ran from the stage. Right. That's a little recital, <laughs> you know, right, I must right. have been five years old or something. Blew your mind? Well, yeah. I mean, yeah, fucking disturbing. That is some, like, rock-a-bye baby in the treetop. Yeah, yeah. When the wind blows. The trade will rock. Rock. Yeah, the kid's going to fall When the bow breaks. <laughs> yeah. Kids the cradle will fall. Now, I'm just, whoa, I, <laughs> you know what? I don't like this idea of falling, breaking. I have. It's too heavy, man. Woo. Yeah, too heavy. <laughs> oh, man. Well, I'm glad to know that your dad was shy because I, I don't know the whole history of, of your family, but like there's that. And what fucking movie was that he did with Charles Bronson? The one at the end where he sticks the harmonica in his mouth? I can't remember, but it was like he had this look in his eye. He was the heavy, your old man Frank. Was. His name was Frank. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking just terrifying. And I'm like, oh, man, I hope that's not what they had to grow up with. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, but <laughs> You saw it sometimes. Well, yeah. yeah. Uh, I remember, you know, the, there were lots of, of famous people that were around all yeah. the time. Jimmy Stewart, you sure. know, is his dear friend and had been for such a long time. John Wayne. Yeah. Ward Bond. Uh, 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 Randolph Scott. Some, you know, yeah. s- some good people in Westerns and other times. Yeah, yeah. One morning, I remember coming down for breakfast and there was Ward Bond and John Wayne. Yeah. Hanging and, out. And we're having breakfast. We all get in. The Duke had a Cadillac, a four-door Cadillac convertible. Yeah. It was a cream-colored car with red leather seats. Yeah. Years later, I reminded him of it. He said, my God, you remember that? Yeah. I said, oh, yeah. <laughs> and I remember this and remember that. And they were uh, finishing a film called Ford Apache. Oh, yeah. Which was a John Ford film. And it was Ford's version of uh, Custer's Last Stand. Yeah, yeah. And my dad was Custer, but he was called Colonel Thursday. Uh-huh. So when people say, what was like? what was it like growing up with your father? I said... Did you ever see Fort Apache? <laughs> Colonel Thursday? Yeah. That's what it was like. Because <laughs> he plays this ramrod, terrible person. It's yeah. just, he deserves to get killed in the end. Right? <laughs> yeah, man. I can't, like, it's like, it but must be. You know what? Yeah. That one lesson, no bigotry, no racism, I didn't know. Yeah. I had no idea. Sure. So you, you, so. I mean, yeah, there was somebody very different in that King Cole. Right. But he was a person. Sure. Yeah. So you, you didn't learn it. You, 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 in other I learned words, nothing to hate. Right. So the the being a sort of uh, insulated in a, a kind of Hollywood world, you weren't given any hate. Never got it. Yeah, it's nice. You know, and we weren't that insulated in a, a way. We would see different people come in. They were all people. Yeah. To me, Pedro the gardener. Sure. He spoke a different language. Well, I tried to learn to talk with him, but yeah. he could speak English, too. I had no idea that he was Mexican. He right. just spoke differently. Yeah. We all look alike. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah. Well, it's good when you're a kid and you can hold on to that mind. You know and what we, I mean? And we had a Japanese maid and we hid her during the war so she didn't have to go to detention camp. Oh, yeah? Yeah. So, and of course, I didn't know anything about that from I was one and a half when uh, oh, really? I went to war. When, yeah. when my dad went to war and I was three years old. And then he, he was in the Pacific as a sailor. Yeah. He was already an actor, right? Oh, yeah. He had been an actor. It was very successful. We had 12 acres of land up in... It was, in Brentwood. Yeah. I mean, he'd been around a long time, right? Did those... We okay, say, yeah. um, at most times during the war, they were called victory gardens. Yeah. Everybody was encouraged to grow some food for themselves. Right. We had a truck farm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there was every vegetable <laughs> yeah. you could imagine. And my yeah. dad made all the dirt yeah. through composting. Yeah. So I thought his job was, I had no idea what he was doing. Yeah. I thought his job was making the best dirt in the greater LA area. <laughs> and it was really good dirt because we had great veggies. Right, right, yeah. 
So, like, when you do you live here? You have a house here? Do you have a place? I have. I'm I, I'm out. Uh, I call it in the wilderness. I'm on the west side. I look down and see the back of the Getty Villa. Oh yeah, and then out and see the ocean and the Palisades. Oh, place called Castle and Mary. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. And but so you don't have the place in Montana anymore? No, no, no. I I decided. You know, well, what I say yeah. is I don't want to see the mountains anymore. Right. I don't want to see snow. <laughs> I don't want to try to blow snow out of a quarter of a mile long drift that's ten feet high in the center. <laughs> no more of that. I, I don't want to see the wind bringing dust through the logs of my house. <laughs> yeah. I don't. Th- I don't want to wet a fly on the Yellowstone River. Yeah. I don't want to. Uh, however. Yeah. If there's film in the camera and money in the bank, what time do you want me there? <laughs> <laughs> right. I'll fly. Very I'll practical go. about yeah, that yeah. part. So but, when you grew up here, though, like at what point, like, because I've talked to guys, like, because you talk about your dad's friends, but, you know, you had a whole crew, too, from the late 60s and 70s that were equally as, you know, kind of um, important in the in the big spectrum of uh, show business and movies. Oh, and, yeah. Yeah, and counterculture. And a lot of those guys, they're, they're, they're going away, too, now. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, it's the thing about getting older. You I lose know. more friends. But. I know. It's so sad, right? But, but in a way, I know it's coming. Yeah, right. We you all know, know it's coming. People say to me, oh, <laughs> yeah. and how are you today? Yeah. I said, I'm alive. Yeah. And they think I'm being cynical. Right, right. I said, no, the alternative yeah. sucks. Yeah, I'm on the right side of the grass. But yeah. uh, although it's inevitable, yeah. at this moment, unacceptable. Right. So we keep trucking. That's right. Yeah, that's <laughs> now, true. So if the drive-by hits me and I'm out... It's been a hell of a ride, man. Right, it has been, right? <laughs> yeah, you, you bet. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, uh, like, I, I try to get a sense of what, what, what's interesting about Hollywood and about show business is that you know when your dad was around, it was, it, it was just a, it was like what three, four studios, and then when you like started coming up, it wasn't much bigger, just a new generation of people, but it was still a small town kind of thing, wasn't oh, yeah. it? Yeah, it was. And it must have been like, a, a, like everyone. I feel like there was a real community, and everyone kind of knew each other. Everyone knew it was up. And in the '60s and the late '60s, like you must have felt that, um, like when things started to shift, because you did a couple of straight up. What were your first movies? Uh, Tammy and the Doctor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then the Victors, a yeah. War as Hell movie. Yeah. But it was like those were straight up studio movies, kind of. Um, yeah. yeah. Universal and Columbia. Right. And then, like, I mean, so you were just at that pivotal point where shit started to break apart, right? You felt oh. it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, shit actually started breaking apart when I was six years old, but we don't want to get into it. Sure, we can get into <laughs> I it. Oh, you don't want to. Right. I promise you. It's In 2004, I found that the name of what was f- fucking me up. Yeah? What? Post-traumatic stress disorder. Really? I had no name to wh- why I was so fucked up. Really? Yeah. And and what's that track to? Like from what? Well, it starts. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, it starts when I was thrown out of a barn window and fell eighteen feet to the ground, a hard packed ground on my chin, and oh. broke my neck. I didn't know I'd bro- broken it until eighty five when I broke it the second time. Really? Yep. Who threw you out of it? The older boys who really? were jealous because I was Henry Fonda's son. Uh-huh. I mean, that's how I was described. Yeah. I had no idea who he was, so that was hard identity to live up to. Whatever you didn't have a sense of how how big he was or what you know he did. No, really, I, yeah. I, I knew that he made movies, and uh, I just didn't know how that worked. Uh-huh. He never talked about it. He never talked about his job. Yeah, you know? uh, we knew that he had friends, and they were all making movies, but we weren't sure what movies were. You have to remember until nineteen from forty. Basically, I was born then, and, and those first years of my life, there was war. Yeah, 
right and rationing and all that yeah so we had only a couple of uh friends that we could visit with right um the leland hayward's three children she he married uh margaret sullivan who was my dad's first wife uh-huh. this gets really weird weird <laughs> but and uh, so, they had three kids, and yeah. so they were like our best friends. We were either at their house or they were at our house. Yeah, he stayed friends with her all that time. Uh, yeah. yeah, and and uh, Leland had been his agent. Uh-huh. And went, Leland sold his agent's list to uh, Lou Wasserman and Jill Stein at MCA, and when they came out from uh, Chicago, yeah. Right? And that that was a bunch of incredible actors. So Watchman was an agent before he was the head of. Uh, he was a music, uh, but it was all about music corporation oh, yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah. And they decided where they wanted to be. He was in Los Angeles, and they wanted to make movies. You know, I'm glad they did. Yeah. So those were your peers. Those were the people that were hanging around, and then those, and then they threw you out of a barn. Well, no, I was sent away to school. Yeah. Um, I was almost ten pounds when I was born. A uh, big boy. And I was in New York for eight and a half weeks. Yeah. Now, there was nothing wrong with me. I was yeah. a 10-pound baby boy. Yeah. But my father, when he heard about it, was hooping and hollering around the set of whatever movie he was making. And I probably would know, but I, I just preferred not to know. Yeah. Why not to say. Um, saying, oh, boy, I've got a fullback for a son. <laughs> right. Well, I was... 10 years old, I was almost 10 pounds still. <laughs> so I flunked that one right out the gate. No, no fullback. No, they wanted me to, to, you know, become more of a man. I mean, shit, right. I was six. Yeah. Can't you let me be yeah, six? Yeah, yeah. No, they packed me off to this boarding school up in Topanga Canyon uh-huh. in 1946. And, uh, yeah. So. Not too far from home. Uh, for me, it was like the other side of the world well you were living in new york then no he was no no here. i was living here but it was still <laughs> uh, and, and we, we lived in this beautiful knoll top yeah a lot of sun uh, big fields yeah uh, orchards and yeah. stuff yeah. Veg- veggies as i've told you and just great to this little school up in topanga uh which was really weird uh, to me i was wondering why are we living like this yeah to the floors. Was it like an outward bound kind of thing? Was it supposed to toughen you up? It was that kind of school? Well, that's where they they sent it to toughen yeah, me yeah. up, but it was just a school where yeah. uh, people in the industry or famous people dropped their kids. Oh, yeah. And, and that's where you got hurt? Yeah. And, um, and that's where you tracked the post-traumatic stress to? That's the beginning. Yeah. Uh, it was compounded yeah. uh, later that very year. 46 was a hell of a bad year for this mm. boy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um any rate, let me just say that uh, I was I flew back east with my mother. Yeah. And um, I thought, oh, I'm going to go to a hotel. I've never been in a hotel high school. And uh, I'm looking at this taxi cab far out. You know, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, right. What do I know? Yeah. And uh, later, I would find out there are people in hotels who come out and get your bags and help sure. you. Yeah. But my mother had her little case, and I had my little, you know, small case and a teddy bear. Yeah. And I'm wondering, wow, you know, this, all this brick, this is far out. Right. You know, walked up these stairs and then flat and up more stairs into this. Is this the lobby? Right. <laughs> I know yeah, nothing. Yeah, yeah. It was just all these incredible floors. And remember, my mother said, and I can, as I'm telling the story, I can actually see her. Yeah. In a black dress, black hat, and a wide mesh veil. It was just kind of the, the thing then. Yeah. And she said, you, you stay right here. Someone will come and get you. And, I watched her go click, click, click her heels. I could hear them hitting the floor as she walked away. 
And I didn't know. I said, somebody's going to find me here. Yeah. Well, I have my bag and my teddy bear. What the hell? And somebody finally came along. Right this way, I got an elevator. I've been in elevators before. Sure. They took me into my hotel room, which was a funny green paint on it. (laughs) It had a bed with this metal table that swung over the bed. And I remembered the table when I lost my tonsils. I was three years old when they took my tonsils. Yeah. So far out. You didn't know you were in a hospital. No. I I remember this kind of bed. Why were you there? Because... I was so skinny, they thought that I had a tapeworm. Uh-huh. So, yeah. <laughs> so all you have to do is to put two and two here together and figure, how are they going to figure out if I have a tapeworm? Sure. Where are they going to go looking? They're going to go digging around. Where? Yeah, in your ass. There you here, go. And so ass. I was mechanically raped when I was six years old in yeah. John Hopkins Hospital. Fortunately, those guys are all dead now. Otherwise, I would be a known murderer. <laughs> I would have go and shoot those those bitches. I tell you, that was strike two, huh? Well, yeah, they didn't give me a shot of anything. I'd remember. I, see, I'm into the details, which yeah. really drives my family nuts. You keep hold on to it. Oh, I don't hold on to it. I just it's just there. Yeah. I mean, I wish I weren't holding on to it. Yeah. So it was 2004. I figured out. Oh. No, it was actually a psychiatrist who said, don't you know what's going on? I said, no, I really don't know what's going on. I'm really fucked up. And I, I, she said, here's what it is. You had all these things happen. Your mother died when you were 10. You probably went on and on. Oh, she did? When you were 10? That's big. Yeah. um, She died of a suicide, but I didn't know it then. I wouldn't find out about that until I was 15 the first time, then 20... Uh, where she yeah. died and then 25 how she died so every bit every time I was being slammed again this, this, yeah. yeah because there was no word yeah. she died and her name was never mentioned again in the house right because your, your old man just shut it out yep yeah and uh, you know so that messed up a lot of shit in my life and yeah. then other things you know I'm, sure. hey I'm very fortunate to be here uh, I've dodged so many bullets yeah when I was a month shy of my 11th birthday, January 9th, 1951. Right. Uh, it was a Sunday. Yeah. And I was going trap shooting with two other young boys my age, Tony Avery and Reed Armstrong. And uh, it was on the Kresge Estate in New York. Mm-hmm. So we went from Greenwich, Connecticut over to the Kresge Estate. And Reed Armstrong had brought this little pistol with him, a little twenty five caliber, you know, single shot, break yeah. open. And uh, so we wanted to shoot it, and I didn't. And I didn't understand the pistol thing. I understand rivals and shotguns. So I put the shell in, and you're supposed to cl- the opening to eject the last the spent cartridge. Yeah. And then you put the new one. That's cocking the gun. So instead of doing it smoothly, I keeping a hand of the barrel and hand on the handle, the, the pistol grip. Yeah. Uh, I just slapped the barrel to go up. Yeah. It did spun in my hands and blew off right into. It blew off the tip of my liver to the top of my oh, stomach God. and center punched my left kidney. Jesus, man. So basically, I died three times on that operating table, lost too much blood, my heart stopped. Ah, fuck. And uh, it's a wonder timing. Yeah. Um, I went and met the doctor later. Yeah. When I was 21, I, I went up and drove up to see him. Uh-huh. And his name was Charles Clark Sweet. Yeah. And uh, Dr. Sweet had told me, that they saw this blood and they didn't understand about the tip of my liver being blown off. Uh-huh. Uh, and they just thought maybe my aorta, uh, my abdominal aorta was hit yeah. or my heart. Uh-huh. Because in the one they were looking through to try to 
trace the bullet. Right. The bullet was stuck on the on the end of uh, on my skin on my right. back. Yeah. It had to be cut out. Yeah, it was just lying flat on it. And as they were trying to trace the shot, the heart there it was the heart and the abdominal aorta kept coming in because the the heart's a a mup uh, it's a muscle that pumps. Yeah, it contracts. Yeah, contracts. Yeah. So the bullet. Hit my rib cage. This told to me. I mean, I didn't know, right? Yeah. Charles Clark Sweet told me. Uh, it hit my rib cage and started tumbling. Uh-huh. So the heart was just that part of the ventricle was contracting, cl- contracting, yeah, bringing everything, lifting the aorta up. Yeah, and the bullet went flipping by. Yeah, that's called timing. Yeah. <laughs> now, yeah. when does that really play? Yeah, that played pretty heavy. Yeah, right. But here, here's the out. Here's yeah. how I get out. Yeah, right. In 1965, David Crosby called me up. He said, "Come on over. We're uh, we're going to see the Beatles. Yeah. They were up on Bennett Canyon." Right. I said, "Cool." Yeah, man. Do you want me to bring anything? <laughs> he said, "No, no, I'm bringing it. No, no David, I'm the best it. of everything." Right. <laughs> so I, mean, I drove I'm up. I had an, an e-jag. I thought, "Well, I'll come in that British racing green." What Is your fuck? car? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I pulled in. I knew yeah. the password. Yeah. I mean, the hills were alive with the kids. I it bet. It was pretty frightening, but. We took acid. So, so you go to Crosby's house and you take acid. No, we go to the the house the Beatles had rented. Oh wow! How long were they here? Mm, Not I, long. I'm only tra- I track in uh, that yeah, okay. that wood day and a half <laughs> that, that day or two. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you and, go there. So we go there, and then it's announced that we're going to take acid. Yeah, I said, oh, the good shit, the good shit, the Owsley right. shit. No, that was not much better than that. Oh, really? Absolutely, straight out of Sandhouse. <laughs> Where Sandhouse? Oh, yeah, really? The yeah. good? Oh, the pharmaceutical? Absolutely. Uh, and that and that was Crosby's. He had that. Um, yeah, yeah, but he'd gotten it from me. Oh, <laughs> you, you were the source. I just, I got there. You right? knew the guy. Yeah, yeah. and you know, it's, it's the old dropper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The sure cue. Yeah, yeah. You could actually put it in the palm of your hand and wait 45 minutes. You and you go blast. blast off. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> we've all done this deed, and I'm looking at everybody sitting at this big lunch thing, and they yeah. shouldn't be doing that. Yeah, yeah. But that's kind of a, a judgment I'm not going to call. Yeah. And finally, Crosby came and found me. Yeah. For some reason, he said, Fonda, you got to go talk to George. I said, oh, no, is he really losing it? Well, he, he thinks he's dying. I said, well, Cros, that's what this drug is all about, yeah. you know. And your brain's trying to stop the effect. Right. But actually, it's you're cutting loose. Yeah, you know? and You're going to go on a freewheeling yeah. little tour Just of your brain. It, handle it. Yeah. <laughs> and handle it. Yeah. <laughs> so I went down to... Talk to George. Yeah. George was sitting with John at this table in an outside area. We yeah. were disregarding the screaming kids. I said, we've got to prove that we're here and they're not. Right. <laughs> so I went down. There were, I, oh, think, people's I think kids I was the oldest yeah, guy there, yeah. right? That's why I'm sent on this right. journey of yeah, go, to Manzanar with George. Yeah, you know, go take care of George. Out. He's flipping out. He's flipping. Yeah. And I went down and I said, George, you know, when you take this drug... What happens is it's all cutting loose, and your brain doesn't want that. Yeah. So your brain's hanging on and telling you, I'm dying to make you stop. Yeah. But don't do that. Just take breaths. Just relax. Look, George, I know what it's like to be dead. Yeah. Believe me. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've, I've died. My heart has stopped yeah. three times. So I lost too much blood. Yeah. And, and I'll tell you, it's just really cool. Uh-huh. There's nothing. Oh, no, there's no light. There's no tunnel. There's no people. Right. It's just nothing. And it's really nice. Uh-huh. And um, I'm here to tell you about it. So just let it go because I know what it's like to be dead. Right. You know, I, I mean, when I was a boy, in my life, things were 
basically all right. Yeah. But, um, you know, they were, everything was right, but this was a mistake. It was an accident. Yeah. Although my family thought I tried to commit suicide, George, I hadn't. Yeah. It was a stupid, stupid accident for a little boy. I mean, mm-hmm. everything was, I was just a little boy, but anything, and everything was all right. But, and Lennon looked at me and he said, what the fuck do you mean? Who put all that shit in your head? You know, I know what it's like to be dead. You're making me feel like I've never been born. I looked at him. they far out. <laughs> and I let it go. And the next year out comes Revolver with She Said, I know what it's like to be Oh, dead. there you go. I know what it's like to be sad. And you're making me feel like I never, when I was a boy, everything was right. So to be part of a Beatles song. Man, man. You landed. Right? Well, I mean, yeah, that's that's pretty amazing. But, you know, you also directed Easy Rider. So. Well, I know. Uh, I hired Hopper to direct oh, yeah, yeah. And that part that I hired him is what really pissed him off. <laughs> he you, thought he should have hired me. But you wrote it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so like I you mean, know. Dennis did some very clever stuff in there. He um, did all the stuff with Jack talking about Venusians, sure, man. and all that. Yeah, uh, basically, the rest of it was so like ad lib. But if you're doing '65, '65, you're doing the Sandoz acid. Mm-hmm. So you know that's that's before the ship blows open down here. It's before it's before the what '68, '69, where everybody's doing it, right? You're ahead yeah. of the curve. Oh uh, yeah, I, were you, I, work, I, were you dealing with Leary or Keezy or any of those guys? I I knew Keezy and I knew Leary, but I really wasn't on the same wavelength. Uh-huh. I, I was closer to Keezy than I was to Leary. Yeah, in terms of sort of like get out in it, not don't hole up. Yeah, <laughs> get out and be out and right. do it. Yeah, right. Yeah, you know, don't cause it anything. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and I was all for that. And when I had learned that I want to do this as a job, that means acting. I thought you meant acid. No, no, as a job. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it was a trip yeah. for me to get there. It wasn't just because my dad was in it at all. Right, sure. He never said one word to me about that or anything right. else. Yeah. It was my discovery that, oh, I really like this. Yeah. In, in terms of wrangling what was going on in the culture and, and, and sort of like, I, I, I have to assume that you didn't realize that, that Easy Rider was going to blow up like it did, right? No, I just knew that I was going to make money with it because it wouldn't cost me a lot to make that was, that and, it was, was it? Uh, and i thought that the tale was really commercial visually commercial yeah, yeah. oh yeah sure yeah. man yeah it's a road uh, story well yeah i mean i i i was in toronto ontario yeah uh, and i was up promoting a film that nicholson had written called the trip that corman directed it was about taking lsd yeah dealing with press so i have a custom-made for a uh, double-breasted suit yeah um Custom shirt, yeah. Hermes tie, really looking fine. Uh-huh. No shoes and no socks. Yeah. So I sit in a room yeah. in a chair. Yeah. There's lights. Yeah. And people come into the room. Yeah. They either talk to me yeah. or, or take me for a radio, whatever it is, right? Uh-huh. The first thing they come in the room, I'm just decked out to the nines. Yeah. Say, Whoa. They see the bare feet, and that stops it, and they lose their interview. It becomes my interview. Yeah. I can say what the fuck I want. <laughs> Promote to- the film, blah, 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 and then next. And I knew that was the trick. Yeah. Because they couldn't handle that image. Why doesn't he have any shoes or socks? It overtakes their mind. You know, yeah, right. Like, yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Um, and so the first day uh, I was there, there was a lunch with 1,200 people, maybe a bit more. Uh-huh. And they were all distributors and exhibitors Yeah, in Canada. And I was there with at the AIP table, which was, you know, what it was. And up there was a, a big 
uh, on her table with all the VIPs on it, mm-hmm. and then a dais. And they've been talking, and I'm kind of checking everything out. People are looking at my feet, of course. Yeah. And uh, this little short guy comes up and gets on the mic. And, yeah. And he's uh, he's um, uh, LBJ's um, guy in the motion picture. He was the head of the Motion Picture Association of America. Right. Jack Valenti. Oh, he was then. He was back then. He yeah, just, he he just began. Oh, okay. He was introducing himself. Oh yeah. Okay. He says, you know, and, and, I'm the guy. Yeah, I'm the guy. Yeah. And looking down at me on the floor, he says, "It's time we stop making movies about." And he, this is sounding like evangelical shit, right? Yeah. Type. We stop making movies about motorcycles, sex, and drugs, and more movies like Doctor Doolittle, which cost twenty-seven million dollars. And he started his, this little launch by saying. My friends, and you are my friends. He said it twice. Yeah. Why? I don't know. Uh-huh. But I'm there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. Second time. Oh, maybe they didn't, he didn't think we heard him. <laughs> and so that's my, my tour. I go back to my motel, which was called the Lakeshore Motel at that time, a real seedy joint. And I said, so no more sex, drugs, and motorcycles. <laughs> Far out. Fuck that guy. <laughs> yeah. That's my, <laughs> now I have a job, which is signing these black and white eight by tens. Uh huh. And we didn't have posted, so everything had a little piece of paper. This guy owns 16 theaters. He's got two daughters. And then I would say, you know, what, whoever to ever and best wishes or yeah, love yeah. or peace. Right. Peter Fonda. <clears throat> and then it came one of these eight by tens come, comes up and I'm looking at it and I know what the picture is in that eight by ten format. Yeah. In the middle is maybe two inches of fully silhouetted motorcycle with two guys on it. You can't see who they are because yeah. the sun's bouncing off. What we're doing is riding. It's me packing Bruce Dern and riding along the cement trail in uh, Venice Beach. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a trick because it right. looks like we're riding on sand. Right. But, you know, I, I looked at that and I thought, who in marketing pulled this as a, something for me what to sign? What was it from? You know, uh, dear Betty, <laughs> um, best wishes, Peter Fonda. She's going where the hell is he? <laughs> what movie was it from? It was from Wild Angels. Oh, wow. Yeah, okay. And I looked at it, and bingo, that's it. It's not a movie about 100 Hells Angels on a Hells Angels funeral. Uh-huh. It's two guys riding across John Ford's West. Yeah, I'm at rest. Oh, and they're going east. Yeah. They're going east. Where are they going east? Oh, yeah, Journey to the East. That's a little Herman Hesse nod. That's cool. Yeah. Going east. They're going to Florida to retire. And... um Okay, that's what happens. They get there, and I'm, I've got these guys on motorcycles, of course. Yeah. And they get there, and they get whacked. <laughs> right. Because they don't look right. Yeah. They got long hair. Right. Oh, yeah. Okay, that's beautiful. Now I have to back it up to make it work. Right. And then I got it back to the beginning where we're bringing from Mexico, we're bringing a white powder. We don't say what it is, but right. I want the moralist to have the roughest time deciding about that, and you what did, that but you didn't name it in your mind either. No, no. white powder. It was white powder, right? Dennis probably uh, promised me it would be real coke, but it was powder sugar. Man, that shit burns. <laughs> yeah, and your nose no good. <laughs> you know, and the camera's on me. Go, Whoa, <laughs> pin my eyeballs. Yeah, and um, at, at any rate, that was the point. And uh, after I got it all together with the beginning, the middle, and an end, yeah. and the journey, yeah. and what we do and what we can't do, we can't go and eat in, in restaurants, we can't, we're not allowed to be in motels, yeah. and all this shit, all this, it's like racial pro- profiling. Sure. And we're going to see what's happening on Amer- in America. Yeah. 
And I knew what that last bit, I knew from the oh, beginning what that. I was going to do at the end. That guy in that truck, man. Yeah, but, you know, the the, the idea, I, and I knew that this was a big hit. Yeah. I'd thrown sevens. Yeah. And then I threw them between my legs. Yeah, I was still seven. Over my back, in the tub. It didn't matter. Blew up. I, I, I called up Hopper. It was 4.30 in the morning in Toronto. Yeah. And I called him up, and I said, listen to this. And I, I had wakened him. I know that. Oh, yeah. But That's I surprising. Also, he wasn't up? <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> that part I can't. I, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. This is not a call. I, seemed like a guy didn't sleep much to me. So I, <laughs> I, um, I told him a story. Yeah. He said, that's really great, man. What are you going to do with it? I said, well, I figure you direct it, I'll produce it, we'll both write it and star, and then we can save some money that way. You want me to direct it? Sure, man. I mean, you have the passion. You know You know framing better than I do. This is, you, know, you understand camera better than I do? Absolutely. You're set for this. We can do this. Oh, man, I'm so glad you called me because I was never going to talk to you again. We don't want to necessarily go back and explain that. That's something I'll write, be writing about. <laughs> What happened? <laughs> no, he, yeah, he stormed out. We had a. He wanted to direct this album that I was going to make. Uh, Hugh Masekela was my my guy, and Bruce, a record. Yeah, a record. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. And uh, he wanted to direct the album. Uh -huh. Direct an album? You mean produce it? You don't know. <laughs> this is what he says. Come to my house. I want to direct them. I said, Dennis, you don't direct albums. You know, you produce them, you arrange them. Right. That's what you don't. You play on them, but you right. don't direct them. Yeah. No, no, man. I mean, then he started blowing off. <laughs> Everybody steals my ideas. I can't believe it. Everybody steals my. I'm thinking, what? <laughs> Everybody, I can't. But, but on and on until yeah. I finally, I have to stop this shit. Yeah, yeah. So on the floor, I had this uh, little. It was a reel to reel. Sony that looked like it was an Ampex, it's yeah. a higher grade. Yeah. And I just picked that sucker up and said, hey, Hoppy, yeah. I threw it on the parquet floor, it broke. I said, when you can fix that, yeah. you can direct an album. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> I can't believe you. Did you see what you just did? I mean, you're a fucking child, man. I mean, I mean, dig it, man. Dig, man. Man, man, you dig it? You're, that's, I can't talk to you. You're a fucking child. I'm, I, I'm never going to talk to you again. I'm, I'm out of here. Yeah. I, he, he walked out and I'm, no, I don't want to talk to you. You're a fucking child. I can't handle this. I'm, I'm, I'm walking away. I never want to talk to you again. <laughs> Until I'm so right. glad you called me because I was never going to talk to you again. <laughs> That's hilarious. Did you guys stay friends? Uh, things became a, a, a tad stretched. Yeah. He was out of control during the filming. Yeah. But he stayed out of control for a while, but when he leveled off, did you ever reunite? I tried many times. Oh, really? Thought I, thought I was successful from time to time. Yeah. But... Uh, I guess when you have a... He claimed that I cheated him. Oh, oh on that. And, and I have tape of him being interviewed and he said some event he, he was in a cadillac mm. with his then wife and he said yeah finally cheating me out of millions and millions and millions oh. of dollars you you the microphone you couldn't see that i held up three fingers so, yeah you know. <laughs> yeah At any rate i thought well great if he helps me find it i'll get a million and a half out of that <laughs> <laughs> go look for are it. you fucking kidding me and he believed it and he said that he and he alone wrote easy rider oh so it just became a business Megalomania yeah. played heavy on it. It was too bad. And the blow, too, I imagine, for a while. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, we tried to get him stopped drinking. Yeah. So he was going to AA meetings. Sure. But 
he had a bag of coke in his pocket. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Solving one problem. Right. Then, <laughs> then he, he got rid of that problem, yeah, too. Yeah. But the adventure, man, I mean, the fact that you kind of you know blew out this, you did Easy Rider, you changed the face of, uh, of filmmaking and culture and everything else, and then you're the guy. You're that guy. <laughs> so then you're sort of like, you're the biker guy. Yeah, well, you're, the next film I did, I... I bought the script, yeah. and I didn't know I was I, I was going to produce it and act in it, yeah. And it was called The Hired Hand, yeah. And as I began reading it more and more, I saw more and more of the stuff that yeah. I'd, that I'd want to see, and then I'll have them do this, and I'll have them do that. That'll really look great. And we'll shoot over here, and that'll be good because I know it's there. Yeah. And suddenly I stopped, and I said, "Wait a second, I'm the producer. I, I can't tell the director how to direct." <laughs> right. Oh my God, I'm going to have to direct this thing because yeah. I could visually see it. Right. And at first reading, it was a visual imprint on me that it was as strong as the visual imprint of the story I made up in Toronto called Later Easy Rider. Yeah. We didn't know what to call it at first. Right. So, yeah, so but it's interesting, though, that the Western was still around. And Harry, Warren Oates, you did a lot of movies with Warren Oates, huh? Oh, I loved him. He was a great guy. Was he? Really fine actor. Yeah. Great. Very, very easygoing, funny guy. We got along so well. And uh, he didn't have to die. No. Now, like, what about Nicholson? Are you guys still friends? We are. I don't see him enough. I, in fact, have to call him and just check on him and see how he's doing. Yeah. Because, um, like, I imagine, like, you know, Harry Dean's gone. I know. Man. Well, as we said earlier, yeah. well, as we get older, we start yeah. losing more friends. But I like to know, like, I always ask guys, like, you know, you, but there are guys that you stayed friends with, you know, throughout the time, huh? You know, like, through the whole ride. Yeah. Well, that's nice. Yeah, I'm, yeah. You know, I still know McGuinn and Crosby. Oh, yeah. He was, yeah. I had, I talked to Crosby at my old house. Yeah. Yeah, for a couple hours. I think he would have stayed for the whole day if I, if I would have let him. Great guy. Yeah, he is. Yeah, he's a real sweetheart. Man. And McGuinn is too. And, you know, McGuinn, yeah. Uh, How about Tom McGuinn? You talk to him anymore? I haven't seen him in, in quite a few years. That was a pretty big uh, movie, I, wasn't it? 92. Uh, um, well, it was artistic. Yeah. And that has its own story <laughs> that I don't want to get into. Man. <laughs> the, the uh, nothing's shape. for the PTS part of it, but just <laughs> in this book that I'm writing. You're writing a book now? Yeah. So and Second um, memoir? Yeah, because a lot's happened since 98. <laughs> sure. What's the angle? Uh, well, just in the what I'm talking about in PTS yeah, starts sure, off sure, with uh, the title, Objects in Mirror. Are closer than they appear. <laughs> it's all about your past. Yeah. In the, the motto for PTS people, yeah, who are really fucked up by it, is the only good day was today. Yeah. Did you try the EMDR? I tried everything. Yeah. Um. How does it affect you? What are the manifestations of it for you on a day to day basis? What PTSD? I mean, what you never. I, I never know. Um. I can see a commercial yeah. that does a certain thing, uh -huh. and it will I, I just break down crying. Uh -huh. Full on. Full on. And uh, and I've been after this for quite a while. I just didn't understand what I had. I thought I was nuts, and I better keep it to myself because they're liable to put the net on me. But it's also a sensitivity, right? I mean, it's like a, a, like an oversensitivity almost, right? Or is it more of like, you don't know, like it's just a, a trigger thing? Uh, something triggers it. Ah, yeah. And uh, as I say, it could be a commercial. Here. could be something I see on the street. Yeah. could be a phone call I get. Or anything I hear, you know, if it deals in a certain thing that, that I get caught on. And, yeah. Uh, 
it it's not a barbless hook. Yeah. So so you're going to discuss like so you, once you found out that's what you had, you kind of kind of ran that through. You backloaded into your whole sort of past and and saw. Well, I well, maybe already, I already was dealing with my past. Yeah. Uh, every day without understanding why. Right. Now I understood, understand why. You, why you were hung up on the things you were hung up on? No, how I got hung up. Oh. I mean, I didn't look at those things as hanging me up. Yeah. Um, I wondered what was going wrong with my mother. Yeah. Later, when I was trying to resolve certain crises in my life yeah. about the mechanical rape, um, I talked to people who knew my mother during yeah. that particular time. And these two women, uh, Eulalia Chapin and Marion Parker, mm -hmm. and uh, they explained a lot of stuff that went on and what happened. About your mother's darkness? About my mother's darkness and my father's short-sightedness. Uh, apparently, he used to cuff me on the head or slap me yeah. when I didn't finish my meal. Right. Hence my going to... Johns Hopkins to have uh, look for a tapeworm. Right, brilliant people, man. Yeah, man. Of course, it was 1946, so I guess I cut a little last slack there, but not a lot because it fucked me up. But do you think how much of the you know like this, the psychological trauma? Do you think sort of like uh, you know compelled you to sort of you know push the envelope with you know with drugs and doing all the other shit? Well, I, we, I figured I I was bent already, so what did right. I lose? Are you looking for solutions? You think in retrospect. Uh, no, but on my third trip, I, I really expanded my brain a lot and got yeah. in there. But I still didn't see the causal effect right, of what, right. what was causing it. I just, it, I mean, it took me until I was 15 or 16 to realize what this terrible nightmare that I have every night was. Yeah. Night terrors every and, night. And that, that was the, uh, the tapeworm experience. Mm -hmm. tapeworm. Really? And gunshot and sure. mother's death and, yeah, sure. and so forth. I remember on my 50th birthday, my, my sister Jane wrote me uh, a fax. Yeah. I was making a movie in, in Switzerland, and I came back, great hotel, the Bauerlock. I came yeah. back to the hotel, and there was sitting in the fax machine this fax from my sister. Yeah. And it was a poem. Uh-huh. And um, she she does the, the glass half full, the glass half empty. Uh-huh. And it was a, kind of a cool little poem. Yeah. But my response to that was my 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 sister didn't get it. My class was overflowing with this myriad of colors just <laughs> all over the fucking place, you know. And I was going, yeah, yeah. yes. Yeah. And uh, I never thought of this halfway out. I was all the way in. And well, yes. why is this doing this to the pretty it's far all... out colors? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it was overflowing, and it wasn't half full or half empty. Uh, and uh, maybe I was half empty, but I felt I was full. Yeah, man. Uh, and uh, do you, do you get along with her still? Yeah, that's good. Yeah, she's so uh, into what she uh, she does. Yeah, and uh, busy. She's busy a lot. Yeah, you know, she's got her children and she's got grandchildren now. But no tension uh, with you. You're just you're cool. Yeah, that's good. We have to be. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I have to think that way. I thought you were great in this uh, in this little movie, even though you only had a couple scenes. It's always nice to see you, and you always pop up places. You know what's interesting about the, that fact, that moment when I meet 
plumber? Christopher. Yeah. Because I've known him in real life sure. since I was 18. Right. I was able to to throw my hands into that yeah. situation. And he just instinctually, he's this great Shakespearean actor. Sure, man. You know, yeah. the, the best in the Americas on filmer stage. Yeah. And he wraps into where it's just so, I'm using this history I have sure. of knowing him for so long. Yeah. Not that I hung out with him a lot. But your old man did? Not really. No, no. No, my first stepmother knew no. him. Oh, okay. And anyway, he was a wonderful young guy, a lunatic. I loved it. Yeah. And so here I am. I've seen this fellow that I knew, and I just wrap my arms around him. It's, it's just, uh, you can see it on film. It's a, it's a, uh, there's something about the way we hold on. We just greet each other. Yeah. That makes you go, huh. Yeah. You relax. I know. I Everything's that. fine. You know, I've been waiting for this bottle of wine. Now's a good time to open yeah. that wine. And then we're down there vaping up. You yeah, know? yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking, this is so far out. Yeah, man. I mean, I, mean, I can feel that. Like, there's the, a looseness to it, you know? The finest Shakespearean actor in the Americas on stage or screen yeah. is selling pot to Easy Rider. <laughs> there you go. Whoa. That's the hook of the scene How right about there. that? Yeah, <laughs> man. <laughs> And you and like your health is good, everything else. Yeah, my health is great, you know. Yeah, man. But um, my mental health is questionable. But I, you know, I I don't find as much darkness. Sure, I'm getting uh, used to it in a sense, so it's easier for me to stop myself from getting yeah. caught. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's still barbed hooks. We're sure. not catching release, and we should be catching release. But I do have a, a great deal of empathy for our soldiers. Are fighting men and women. Yeah. Um, you know, I didn't see a friend next to me get his head blown off. Yeah. I didn't lose an arm or leg. I almost lost my life, but, you know, yeah. I dodged many bullets. Sure. Uh, and so maybe I don't have the right to have a tough time. I mean, I never had to worry about where I was going to eat or sleep. Yeah. yeah. But, but you still, you got, a, you got a problem. You're dealing with it. Yeah. Um, I, I, I now know. Yeah, about the, the the tape worm thing. Yeah, and I found out that the reason my mother was there, she was getting a hysterectomy, because she was a bleeder. She had heavy, heavy periods, and she was, I now know, in postpartum. Oh yeah, those are phrases you, you don't know. Uh, you know, and I I took psychology in college. I figured I better find out some more about me because something's missing. So that that was what attract the uh, the suicide to the postpartum, or I think that that's part of it. Wow, and and part of of my dad, not, yeah. you know, wanting to divorce her. Mm. Oh, he wanted to, he wanted out. Wanted to marry a younger woman, my yeah. first stepmother, yeah. whom I adore. Yeah, yeah. And I could look at that whole thing as saying she's the reason my mother killed herself. Right, but it's not that. Sure, yeah. and uh, and I could go spit on my father's ashes. Yeah, but that's not it either. Right, uh, it's trying to understand that and forgive that. Yeah. But before you can get to forgiving that, mm. you have to forgive yourself. Yeah. How are you doing with that? That's the hardest part. Yeah, man. Well, you know, you seem pretty good. Hey, I'm an actor. I act like I seem pretty good. <laughs> no, I, you know, I, you, you heard it. I, you know, how are you doing? I'm alive. <laughs> the alternative really sucks. Although inevitable at this particular moment, unacceptable. Well, yeah, exactly. Well, I'm glad you're alive. It was great seeing you. I don't want to hold you up because no. I know you got to go get pictures or whatever. Yeah. I was told hard out and then it's only a matter of time before someone, someone comes to the door. And, yeah. Hold on. I'll get that. It might be my lawyers. <laughs> Thanks for talking, Peter. My pleasure. Thank you.